Her employer is well known for a brutal, militaristic, unforgiving culture. Working there is kind of a Faustian bargain. You trade your mental and physical health for a living wage and the health benefits that you'll need to survive the work. Daphne says that the first year at a logistics company can be the worst years of your working life. It's physically demanding. The expected delivery window time clock is unforgiving. The GPS app that you're sometimes expected to use is often inaccurate and doesn't account for road closures or ice storms, car accidents, police barricades, any of that. Companies often assign each delivery route a number of allowed hours that it should take to finish each day. And at some places, that's how much you're paid, no matter how long it actually takes to finish. The work is isolating, and Daphne says that nothing really ever prepares you for how you feel when it's 6 o'clock, and you've been driving since dawn, and your truck is still half full, and nobody is coming to help you. New drivers often don't have their own assigned routes. They're dispatched wherever they're needed, so they don't know all of the secret parking spaces and obstacles of every neighborhood that they're in. So their days are even longer and harder. In the fall of 2019, Daphne got her own assigned route. This came with a raise. So her days started improving. She had a living wage job, stable housing, and enough money for some travel on her days off. The work was hard and the culture was merciless, but she'd done worse things for less money. The Christmas season was nonstop 12-hour days, but she made a lot of cash for those seven-day weeks. She was looking forward to the spring when the weather improved and work slowed down. You all know what happened next. As COVID-19 shut down the world and tech workers like me were trapped inside our homes, logistics workers like Daphne were the canaries in the cryptocurrency mine. Online shopping spiked to unprecedented levels. Delivery drivers had Christmas season schedules in May. Drivers got COVID. They got in accidents caused by no sleep. They got disciplined and docked for not meeting the escalating demands for online delivery of more packages than ever. People quit, which increased the work on those who were left and who were not shown any more mercy than before. There were suicides. As it dawned on white-collar professionals that work from home was now permanent for them, furniture orders spiked. Daphne hauled desks, office chairs, bookshelves, ring lights, folding screens, and new decorations to everybody's doorsteps. <clears throat> Some people were grateful and compassionate. They thanked her and asked how she was holding up. They gave her face masks, hand sanitizer, and Clorox wipes when those things were hard to find. They talked to her from a safe distance, since she was the only person from the outside world that many of them saw. She met their children and all of their dogs. Other people, responding from a place of fear, crossed the street when they saw her coming like she was a rat bringing a disease to their protected world. They cursed her out when she parked her truck in an inconvenient spot. They refused to acknowledge her as she hauled their standing desks and cases of adult beverages. They yelled at their children for trying to say hi through the screen door. They called the drivers unspeakable names when their packages were late. As frontline workers continued to quit under the pressure, 
refusing to risk their lives to sell craft supplies or serve coffee, we started calling them heroes. Daphne has feelings about that. She told me, oh yeah, the heroes thing. I can't tell you how much I did not sign up for this. I'm not a brave person. I didn't join the army or go into the medical field. I'm not your hero and I'm definitely not okay risking my life for your gaming console or your fifth case of wine. Seriously, the wine. Cases and cases of wine that I used to haul in nearly every house on one block. I used to joke about putting the whole street on a schedule. Half of you get alcohol deliveries on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the other half on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is my bleeping day of bleeping rest. At this point, you may wonder why I'm telling this story. It's not Labor Day. Our, our summer theme this year is connections, not social justice for frontline workers. Why am I talking about her now? Because of what she did next. Every company over a certain size is required to have a safety committee. This is an internal group of employees who meet regularly to ensure that the job site is in compliance with things like fire codes and OSHA regulations. Safety committees at most companies set up fire drills, train staff on new equipment, and nag people to move boxes out of the way of everybody's feet. Daphne had volunteered for the safety committee before the pandemic because the hours were paid and she didn't have her own route yet. But after the third person in her work region committed suicide under the stress from the pandemic and work culture, she realized that safety at this place was about more than backing up a truck without hitting anything. Employees were dangerously isolated and scared. And the lowly box checking compliance oriented safety committee could be a real force for change. So first they instituted an emotional check-in at the beginning of each meeting to give the mostly male employees a, a safe place to talk about their work problems in a setting where they could brainstorm solutions. She told me, if they're not talking in committee, they're venting to each other at the bar or out in the smoking areas. If they use the committee as a sounding board, we might know what to do. For example, if drivers are being pressured to come in on their days off, Here's the rule that says they don't have to say yes to that. Now you know that and you can go back and help your other people stand up to them. She encouraged her fellow committee members to become familiar with regulations so they could counsel other employees on what was legal and what was inappropriate for management to demand. Next, she started recruiting employees who represented the whole company. The committee already had some white women, but she started looking for black and Latino workers. Committee hours are paid, so newer employees who serve on the committee can make more money. She also wanted more voices that other employees would be comfortable talking with, since some of them weren't going to share their problems with a white chick. She gives new female drivers advice that they might not think to ask for when they hire in, like how to safely take bathroom breaks en route. And she spends a lot of time explaining to new members how to do the same thing for their people. This means lots of off-the-record conversations, late-night text messages, and time spent reading the fine print of licensing requirements and parking regulations, and just listening to people vent and affirming their mental states. That time is all unpaid. That is invisible labor. Invisible labor is everywhere. The term comes from a 1987 sociology article by Arlene Kaplan Daniels of Northwestern University, 
who defined it as unpaid work that is unnoticed, unacknowledged, and unappreciated. Very often, that's care work. Time spent caring for others, especially children, is usually not obviously valued, even though it's clearly essential. Economists have valued the contributions of a stay-at-home parent responsible for meals, housekeeping, education, budget management, procurement, security, and transportation at about $162,000 a year. And that was before they had to be classroom teachers and IT departments. In our capitalist culture, we're taught to see each other as competitors, not friends. And that programming starts early. Anything we do to pursue income, status, or professional growth is visible and praised. Work that involves caring for others, building relationships, or creating the spaces where relationships happen is invisible labor. Unpaid, unnoticed, often dismissed and disrespected, and yet essential. Many jobs, most jobs, include some off-the-books uncompensated tasks. Office housework, as it's sometimes called, includes setting up rooms for meetings and cleaning up shared spaces. Teachers spend hours every week performing uncompensated labor. The time I spent configuring my home network so that I could log into my workspaces and do my actual paid job, invisible labor. Scientists writing TED Talks about their research to get donors to keep funding their work, that's invisible labor. Artists pushing out social media to get their work seen. Musicians playing for exposure. There's a joke in the industry about dying of exposure. That's invisible labor. The Zoom team in the back, everybody's Zoom team everywhere. Also invisible labor. We can't expect that every single valuable thing we do be compensated with money. That's the flip side of the toxic belief that only the things that we compensate with money are valuable. All of us do important things that will never be paid for. But it's worth noticing that the work that we do to connect to each other and build relationships is usually considered less important than our jobs. If someone asks you what you do at a party, rem remember parties? <laughs> and you respond, I host a weekly book club or I call my mom every day to make sure she's okay. That answer might seem strange. It shouldn't. That kind of thing is the bedrock of our humanity. Relationships with other people are supposed to restore us. For those to happen, there need to be spaces where we can connect. For two plus years, we mostly haven't had those spaces or opportunities. We're all out of practice. The birth rate is dropping. Kids are two years behind in social development. We may have coping strategies for dealing with isolation that we need to reverse now. And that's going to be hard, especially as we have overlapping crises that are not actually over. But connections take work. And some of that work will likely be invisible labor. Five years ago, our church did not have a Zoom team. Nobody was spending their evenings on calls with other amateur TV producers trying to problem solve how to deliver multi-platform worship. So let us all thank those who jumped into that task to continue to provide this connection space for us.
They need volunteers, by the way. Yes. Connections are often difficult anyway, but everything got harder in 2020. Some of us responded by focusing on work, the visible kind, and neglecting relationships. Or our work suddenly got much more demanding and we had no choice. We have more choices now. So let's start by appreciating the invisible labor that we see around us, especially the kind that builds connections. Everyone is doing something valuable that they feel like no one sees. Letting them know how grateful we are for their contributions is a really good start. And that includes everyone who is working to make this world a less toxic, more inclusive place. Your reclusive neighbor who never comes out of her house might spend her days addressing get out the vote postcards or calling her Congress creatures about gun safety. That's invisible labor too. We're all out of the habit of inviting people over and going to events and just being in public spaces. And we still have safety concerns. I see a sea of masks that didn't come from nothing. A lot of us are emotionally drained and may feel like we don't have the energy for connections. But, and I say this as an introvert, <laughs> connections matter. We're talking all summer long about them. Where can you build a connection space? Where can a small amount of work help to turn this socially disconnected ship around? It might be around your dinner table. It might be at work. Maybe it's time to revive the book club, only outside, and new people, invite new people. There may be a safety committee opportunity somewhere in your world. Seize those opportunities. I was gonna talk about the social fabric, but that makes me sound like a 1980s conservative with big hair who's trying to ban something fun. But I can't think of a better metaphor. We are reweaving millions of tiny threads together into a blanket that will warm us during difficult times. Every person is valuable. Everyone is needed. And no one should be invisible. Thank you. Now please rise in body or spirit for our closing hymn, number 1021 in the Teal Hymnal, Lean On.